Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your jig order. Welcome to the Paddle and Fan Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as an angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milton. Fishing for Noobs on the Paddle and Fan Podcast. I'm Ryan Milford, as always. The uh, name in the kayak fishing world right now is Alan Reed. Uh, Alan, how you doing tonight? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Man, I'm making it. Just kind of chilling tonight. Um, you know, I, I know you were on the uh the OG episode not too long ago and uh you know I I've, I've been wanting to talk to you cuz kind of interested in you I know you've said you've been, only been bass fishing for like 3 years or something like that is that right yeah yeah that's right that's right started uh fishing 3 years ago no. and then uh started tournament fishing 2 years ago And that, that kind of blows my mind because I've, I've been bass fishing for six, 
And I, this has been my first year I've actually done decent at it. So you know, it kind of intrigues me. And, you know, there's also a little bit of jealousy there how you've gotten so good at it so quick. I, I did want to touch on that some while, while we were talking tonight. Like, how, how, how did it so YouTube videos or just? Well, it's, it's a mix. People of, of giving you right. I think it's a mix of things. Um, I think one part of it is um, certainly. I mean, I did do the you know YouTube videos and how to you know just learn some of the basic techniques. Um, you know, things like you had to set up a bait caster, right? So that's the first rod and reel I got to specifically go target bass was a bait caster and that's just what I wanted. And, uh, you know, immediately I just have comfort with that, right? Just be able to use my thumb and adjust the, uh, length of the cast and things like that. Just kind of get that feel. But, uh, the other part was, and a lot of people talk about this too, is going and then applying what you've learned about. All right. So I've spent a lot of time on the water, you know, trying different tactics and, um, taking what I see on those videos and then make them my own or, um, you know, there's, there's some things that I just don't do very much that, you know, I, I'm still, still learning a lot just like everybody else, but I'm just not comfortable with them yet or I haven't given them that amount of time to, to really learn them. So, um, like everybody that spends that time, right? I have my go-tos that I, I have a lot of comfort with, and I've learned to apply those in, in different situations. And I think that's a big part of it, too, is having what's your confidence. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate it, right, that people have bags and bags and uh, great big containers of of lures and, and things like that. And, you know, I don't know. In my mind, I try to keep it a lot more simple than that. No, not to say that I don't go out with anything, right? I mean, I go out six or seven rods currently, and, you know, I've got bags of plastics and things like that. But um, I guess part of it for me is when it comes to, like, soft plastics, right? I don't need a green pumpkin and a watermelon and a watermelon red flake and, a right, all those things that are very similar. Fish isn't going to sit there and, I think, dissect, you know, that and say oh you know i was really in the mood for green pumpkin today i don't want that watermelon seed right it doesn't look quite right <laughs> and but that's what we do right when people go into the stores that's what we're looking at and it's like oh man that looks that looks really good there with that similar right right and so that was one of the things i got confirmation yeah. with uh, they, uh really Ot, i think it was Ot defoe um, at Bass University um, last year, I went to that, and he was saying, you know what, when we show up at a lake, right, we've got three days to break down a lake, and I'm going to show up with three colors, right, something that's a whitish color, something that's a green pumpkin type color, and something that's a black and blue type color, and I'm going to catch fish, so, um, you know, if if one of the best in the world takes that tactic, i I'm not better than that. 
Yeah, I, I feel you there. I mean, and, and I, I think I pretty much stick to like extra stuff that people can fit on a kayak. Like people so much gear on a kayak. And, you know, I keep like two of the large Plano boxes and then uh, a little bag that uh, uh, that I've got my soft plastics in. I four rods. So I, I think I keep it pretty simple too. You know, I, I actually go overboard, but I also stick with a lot of the same stuff every time. Like, one, one issue that I'd say that I probably have to where I, it has taken me longer to progress is I get to go out like once every week or two weeks, something like that. So whenever I do go out, you know, I want to catch fish. So I'm kind of scared of a technique I've never used before because I might not catch those fish. So I'm using every time I go out pretty much the entire time so I can actually catch fish while, while I have the chance. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, sometimes you just have to decide that you're going to learn to do something new and just go out, and, and that's what you're going to throw. Um, and it'll pay off, right? I mean, if you're just going out fun fishing and you don't, and you don't catch a fish or you, you're not really out anything, right? Especially if you're going out there trying to learn a new technique. So I think some of it, you know, it's just like going and, and training for any other sport, right? A marathon runner doesn't go out and run a marathon every time they go to train. Sometimes they're going out, they're doing some speed work. Sometimes they're doing their endurance work. Sometimes they're doing something that's kind of in the middle there. And some days it's just a rest day. So, uh, you know, Kevin grown up doing sports and things like that that's kind of how i look at it right practice is a practice and tournament days tournament day and you know nobody nobody needs to know if i caught fish or not on practice day everybody will see if i caught them on tournament day and that's where it matters i, I really like that advice like i've never thought of it that way but it's pretty good i fishing i plan on starting in the spring but I'm definitely going to use that whenever I get to that point. Uh, but a, a technique that I haven't ever tried before that I was told to ask you about is uh, the fluke. Uh, you have never I, thrown I've, a fluke. I've never. Do what? You've never thrown a fluke? No, I've never thrown a fluke before. Oh, <laughs> There's a lot of things out. that I've never thrown before. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I heard you're pretty good with one. I was going to well, see if you can tell me something about that. Well, it was one of the first lures that I I learned about because um, the water that I was, you know, was pretty close to my house that I would go fish has a lot of weeds and, and stuff like that that grows up in the summer. And, um, you know, I was kind of limited on things that I could throw and figured out that I could I could throw a fluke and you know, kind of keep that above the weeds or kind of drop it down in some of those holes, you know, that, that are formed by the hydrilla and, uh, and catch fish that way. So that's how I kind of got started fishing it. And like I said, it, it just became kind of one of those confidence things. 
and I've gone on bodies of water, you know, all over the eastern half of the U.S. now, and caught really good fish on a fluke, um, and in different times of the year too. So it's all been, uh, you know, some of it's been clear water lakes, some have been, you know, early spring, so the water's still cold. Fall, so we're heading into a time right now that's really good for fluke fishing, right? Because the uh, bait fish are going to be schooling up here and move, you know, the bass are going to be moving up shallow. It's a really good time to go do it. So, you know, don't count it out for this year. Go get you a pack of flukes and, um, and, and get out there this fall. Yeah, I, I can't wait for this fall. I actually, it was supposed to rain tomorrow and, and uh, day after, and then the whole week's supposed to be cooler. So that bite's going to be on probably next weekend. So I can't wait to get out there. So maybe I can learn something from you tonight about that fluke, and I can tie it on and and uh, throw it next weekend when I get out. Um, sure. One thing I was going to ask, you know, I'm I've never been a big swim bait fisherman either, but to me, by looking at them, pretty much swim bait and fluke are kind of in the same family. They they pretty similar there. Um. Well, they're—I mean—they're both representing a, a bait fish, um, but with the swim bait, you know, I'd say for the most part, people kind of do that as a kind of a steady retrieve, and um, you know, we're talking about like a paddle tail swim bait, right? A soft plastic swim bait. Um, yeah, I'm talking about. Yep. Put a soft plastic. Right, and putting them, you know, on a weighted hooks, right? So you. Can, um, fish them a little bit deeper and bounce them off cover and things like that. Um, where a, a fluke to me is it's a lot more erratic. All right. So, um, have you fished a jerk bait before a hard jerk bait? Yes, I have. Okay. All right. So a fluke I've, is just a, a soft will, jerk bait. So let me add real quick that I've never actually caught a fish on one. I used one, but I've never caught a fish on one. Just wanted to clarify that. Right, right. Um, So, most of the time, I'm right. So, a fluke is just a soft jerkbait. So, that's kind of a category that a fluke falls within. And and a fluke is the name that that uh, Zoom gave it. Um, That's probably the most well known uh, soft plastic uh, jerkbait out there. There's other manufacturers out there that have different features and stuff like that, but that's a great bait. That's what I use, you know, almost almost entirely on uh, when I'm when I'm fishing a fluke. But uh, it's a lot more erratic, right? So just like a jerk bait, you're kind of gonna pop it, and it kind of jerks to the side and to the other side, and you know, because you kind of put that slack line in there, and you know, when you pop it, it the nose of it goes one way and then pop it again and the nose comes back the other side kind of like walking the dog except you're kind of doing it under the water and it's not that continuous pop 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 you know a lot of times and this is this is one of those things that you you kind of figure out what the fish want right so a fluke is very versatile right i think a swim bait yeah you can kind of fish it slower right but it's just going to go down in the water column and you're going to you can speed it up and you can bring it up 
where with a fluke, I can do all kinds of stuff with it. You know, I can pop it a couple times and let it sink, and then pop it a couple more times, let it sink, or I can pop it three times, or I can pop it faster and have it kind of right under the surface of the water and uh, kind of cause those ripples like a bait fish that's trying to scatter and get away. So you'll see that um, coming up here, especially this time of year, right? You'll see the bass coming up or something. It's one of those bigger predatory fish coming and chasing bait, and you'll see the the shad or or right, whatever the smaller bait fish that they're chasing kind of scatter across the top. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Right. So you can do the same thing with a fluke, right? Kind of have it come up and splatter on the top of the water and um, kind of get that same effect there because it's just like that fish is coming up and those fish are trying to get away and they come out of the water, right? Trying to get away from that fish. So um, that's how, I mean, that's kind of the basics of how, you know, you can get started fishing a, a fluke. Um, obviously, they're set up. All right, so for, for me, when I set it up, um, I normally is using a, uh, a Zoom Super Fluke. So that's not the really big one, and that's not the really small one, right? It's kind of that one that's in the middle. Um, I think it's four or five inch uh, range like that. And then put that on a – I put it on a four-aught offset round bend hook. And uh, – push the um, hook into the nose, you know, just like your Texas rigging. And then you're going to bring the hook up through the fluke and the flukes kind of split on the bottom side of it. And that allows that hook to kind of push up through when you go to set the hook on it and you have a flat top on it. You can, then text pose the hook, then it's weedless. So that's kind of a basic standard how you know how to set up a fluke. Um, now, are you are you doing that weightless? I do it weightless most of the time. Um, there's different ways to do it, right? So that's how I do it most of the time. Um, you can do, you know, if you wanted to fish it down deeper, there are people that put on maybe a little bit of a. Uh, let's say a ball head hook on a, on a fluke. Um, it's typically not too weedless then, right? Because it's more like a an open an open hook at that point. Um, you can also do you could do a, like a swim bait hook um, with that belly, you know, that belly weighted hook on it. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to get it a little farther down in the water column. Um, but most of the time, you know, if I'm fishing a fluke, I'm not, personally for me, I'm not trying to get it out real deep. Um, you know, I'm I'm using it when they're up a little bit shallower, chasing the shad around. Um, keep that weightless because, you know, a lot of times I'm throwing it around weeds and, and down timber and things like that. And then there's other ways to rig it. Um, if you follow myself or, or Kurt Smith, we were just having a discussion about this on, on a, some Facebook posts the other day. You can also do a line through setup with a fluke. 
So that's where you take and basically punch a long hole down through the fluke, uh, down into the, where that belly is, and you run your line down through there, and then you tie a treble hook, a single treble hook on the underside of the, the fluke, and then kind of pull your line up there. And uh, you can put things in there. There's uh, um, like a little sleeve in there to kind of protect it a little bit um, so your line doesn't crunch down. But you end up with your treble sticking the – so on a treble you have three hooks on there. You have one right. that's kind of going up into the belly of it, and then you have two of them that are going to actually be able to hook into a fish. So that's not a weedless setup but it's, it's really good around open water. Um, it's not a technique that I have used. I've been, I've seen it before. Um, I, I know people that have used it. It's just not one that I've used, but um, another way to rig it up that has a pretty good hookup ratio. Cool. So, uh, you know, I, I know you kind of touched on, there's different places you can throw it in the weeds and, and, um, uh, around wood timber and uh i believe you were even saying like in like the balls of shad and whatnot yes coming into the fall right now where would you most likely try to target with that yeah so you know it's been really hot here recently right so the bass have been down in the deeps um you know in that cooler water now that that water's going to start cooling off you know they're going to start moving back up shallow they're going to be chasing that bait. Um, they're going to be moving back into the creeks. Um, we'll see how fast the water cools off here. Some people are projecting we're not going to have much of a fall, so it may go pretty quick. But um, but that's the biggest thing with a you know with anything is is you got to find where the bait fish are. And so knowing that you know it's cooling off here, fish are going to, or you know the bait fish are going to be moving up into the creeks. If it stays around long enough, they'll get all the way to the backs of the creeks. And so, so with no matter what you're throwing, whether it's a fluke or, or any other lure, right, you're wanting to get around where those fish are. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you're just you're just casting at nothing. So, um, but yeah, they're 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 going to be moving up shallow here, um, like you said. In you know maybe the next week or so, with this cool cool water, I, I would expect that to start happening. And then. You know, a lot of times in the fall, people, you know, really like to start using a lot of top water. And uh, they do that in the summertime, too, early morning, that kind of stuff. But if they're not hitting on the top water, but you know the bait fish are around there, a fluke is a is a great lure to throw in there if they're not coming up and hitting on that. And so you kind of, and again, you kind of got to figure out, you know, how much they want to chase and, and I don't know what it is. I mean, there's a little bit of a style, right? I think of, I, I call fluke fishing kind of a, a power finesse technique, right? Where I think, you know, crank, crank baits, um, you know, your swim baits, that kind of stuff, right? They're more of a power technique. And then obviously your finesse stuff is, you're not really moving too much, you know, drop shots and Ned rig and, and that kind of stuff. This, I think, is kind of a combination of both of those. And I think there's a little bit of an art. you got to kind of form your own technique and your own cadence to, to what works. 
because I've been out with people and, you know, I've caught a few fish out in an area and I say, hey, you know, throw this here and I'll give them, you know, give them a fluke and get them all set up and everything and they'll get in there and try it for a while and I can't get anything and I'll toss in there and, and it's just something about how I do it then I'll catch a fish right away. So that's where I kind of where we started, right, is making a technique your own and, and kind of figuring out what what works within that technique for you. And, uh, you know, and then be able to adjust a little bit off of that to, to how the bass want it. So we'll see. I mean, they, you know, they may, uh, you know, obviously some days they're going to want to chase a bait a lot faster and you can, you can pop that, um, you know, that fluke a lot more. I and mean, if you ever watched like Kevin Van Dam swim, swim a jerk bait, right. I mean, there's some days he's out there just ripping on that thing. Right, just pop, 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 and big pops to it, and uh, and other days, right, it's a lot slower. There's a pause that allows the you know the fish to kind of see it a little bit more and kind of hone in, and then you pop it again, and they'll just kind of attack it and kind of get that reaction piece to that as well. So that's uh, yeah, I think that's part of the fun of it for me is right is is making that technique mine and adjusting it based on how the fish want it on that day. Cool. Uh, something I was going to ask as far as like placement, I know uh, probably like four years ago, I was fishing with a buddy and I'd never caught a fish on a crankbait before. And it, it was kind of late summer, maybe early fall, like somewhere around that time. I'm not sure exactly when, but uh, he was like, yeah, bring like a shad colored crankbait. And so I brought one and, and he was telling me to cast it out. Like we we're finding these schools of shad or some kind of bait fish, something like that. Like these uh, big schools of them. He's like, yeah, cast it over there by them and just like run it through them. So is is that something that you could do with with a fluke? Is just kind of run it through the when you see those fish, uh, when you, I guess you can see them like up there on the top where they're like all popping and all that stuff. Can can you run it through those schools like that? Is, is that pretty successful? Uh, so yeah, I mean you can run it down through there. I probably have more success not taking it right through the middle of them. All right, so if you kind of watch, and and uh, I don't know if this is a scientific fact, but this is kind of how I've just been watching it in my mind, and and what I think happens is, right, they're they're in those big bait balls like that because they're protecting themselves from so, those predatory fish. So you want to be that loner that's kind of straight away from the pack, then. That's right, right. So I think if I go out to the side just a little bit, or if they're going off one direction and I kind of pop it in behind them. Right. And then I'm to what the, what the fluke looks like is a kind of a wounded bait fish or a dying bait fish. Right. Cause the other thing that you can do with a, with a fluke is, um, if you tie one on, like we talked about with the kind of Texas rig setup, and if you just watch it, it'll just float down and very similar to how a Sanko does. Right. You'll get that little bit of a shimmy on the way down which which simulates 
a, a bait fish that's dying, kind of sinking down there to the bottom. So I think if you're right in the middle of all that, you know, swarm of, or, you know, school of, of bait fish, then it just mixes in with all the rest of the stuff that's there. But if you're out on the edges or you're lagging behind a little bit, then that, that bass kind of picks up on that and says, Hey, there's something wrong with that. And I'm going to go eat, you know, I'm going to go get it. Cause that's a easier thing to get. Cool. I, I, I might, yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to pick some of them and try them because I'm, I'm getting pretty interested. It, it, would you say it's a pretty simple technique to catch on to? Um, like I think it's a. I mean, I think the concept is is pretty simple. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like dragging a worm, right? I mean, dragging a Texas rig worm. It's simple, right? It's a simple concept to understand. It's just figuring out how to make it your own and where to place it and how to do it and those kind of things, right? So. Um, I mean, there's nothing that's a magic bullet for any of it, right? You got, you, but you got to sure. figure out how to get it in the right place. But, you know, it's, it's one that, I mean, it was one of the very first things that I learned how to do. Um, so I guess as a, as person, you know, person that was just starting off and if I could figure it out, I guess, you know, a lot of people out there could as well. All right. Well, let's, uh, talk about what you like the setup you used to throw this, what rod strength, what kind of reel ratio, uh, yeah. lines, what kind of line you use, all that stuff. Sure. Um, so I used to throw my fluke on a medium fast action and, um, you know, it was okay, but, um, now I've, I've changed and I actually throw it on a medium heavy, um, seven, two, um, bait casting rod. Um, that's how was, I do it. I use a bait caster for almost everything. Um, what was there, what, what was your reasoning behind that change? Um, I felt like once I had the fish bite, I just liked that little bit stiffer rod, just set the hook and just get it in, um, versus, um, you know, a little more limber rod. Um, I didn't, I haven't felt like going to the, the stiffer rod, um, was hindering my ability to cast in any way. Um, now this kind of gets into brands of rods and things like that. There's obviously, you know, there's, there's some medium heavy rods I've seen out there that there's no way I could throw a, a fluke on it. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are a lot more comfortable throwing a weightless fluke on a, a spinning reel as well, right? Just because it's kind of a lighter weight thing. But, but for me, um, you know, I think with that, and I kind of use a heavier, um, heavier gauge hook as well. So on my offset round bend, I go with a little heavier gauge. Uh, I use trocar versus you know something that's a little bit smaller, just because I. You know, a lot of times I'm doing that around that grass and those things like that, and I'm just not going to mess around with getting it all tied up in those things. So I just want to get it out of there. And I think that's part of the reason with for that rod as well, um, because I don't want to get tied up in all the the mess that yeah, I'm, I'm fishing it around there. I feel you there. Um, uh, as far as line, um, 
So on my bait casters, everything except on a crank rod, so what I'm throwing crankbaits on, I go with braid, and then I use a fluorocarbon leader to adjust um, fall rates and you know uh, line thickness for water clarity and things like that. So I would say normally on a fluke, I'm going to be throwing 12-pound test for my leader and you know if it's if i'm really getting around some gnarly stuff uh, maybe go up to 15. oh what what pound test is that braid that you're running on there um those are it's 30 pound braid so you're you're running some heavy braid with some you know kind of medium area i'd i'd, I'd say kind of medium to lighter area fluoro on it yeah yeah i'd say 12 to 15 is pretty you know that's kind of that middle of the road there um you know, start getting up 17 20 25 now it's gonna be heavier and then you know there are some techniques that you can use if you want to go really light you know if you wanted to get down into 10 pound eight pound six pound uh and still use a fluke it's just not a way that i have done it um, but I know there are people out there that are doing it. I feel you there because I'm not really one to use, you know, I, I try to use the heaviest, I'd say probably the heaviest line that I can get away with, except for I, I got a little finesse setup that I have six pound test on. I don't use it a whole lot, but, you know, it it makes me pretty nervous because, you know, they do wrap around wood or grass. I, I ain't got a whole lot of grass that I know of that I've fished around around here, so I don't worry about that too much. But, you know, they try to wrap around some wood structure or something that more than likely going to snap off. But Yeah, I, I think some of it for me, having, you know, learned to fish here in the Midwest, you know, especially southern Indiana, we don't have a lot of super clear water. And so I can, you know, I'm not having to throw that really light line, you know, versus, you know, so we're, you know, we were on table rock, you know, a few, a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. it was super clear water, right? I mean, you could see tens of feet through that water. And so, you know, there I was going with a, a lot thinner line just because I knew those fish were, were a bit line shy and they get hammered quite a bit, but, uh, most of the places that that I fish, I can go a little bit heavier on the line and just give myself that comfort that, that I'm not going to have problems with that. There's kind of two philosophies on that, right? And um, is, uh, you know, I'm going to go with the heaviest line I can get away with that I'm comfortable with, or I'm going to go with the lightest line that I can get away with. And um, I don't know, for me, I guess I, I'm kind of in the middle of the road on on this particular technique and that poundage of a fluorocarbon. I, I like to have the braid there and make adjustments with the fluorocarbon because, you know, I do have several different techniques that I try to use. And, you know, on a kayak, we don't have 40 rods. And so I'm able to use that leader to adjust for the different techniques that I might be using and, keep it on the same rod. We never thought about pick that. up another one. 
Yeah, that, that's pretty smart right there. So, so say you want to go with something that needs a heavier line for the leader, you can just snip off that leader, tie on, you know, say whatever it is, 20, 30-pound mono on the end for the leader and tie on your new thing, right? Is that what I'm – that what you're yep. doing? That's what I'm getting. Yep, yep it, that's what I do. Now, you did say – you said mono there, so that's one thing for me Oh, did personally. I say mono? I, I meant floro. I didn't mean to say mono. <laughs> that's all right. I mean, that's one thing that I learned um, pretty early on with kayak fishing is, you know, for me, I don't I don't have any mono. Um, you know, one of the things that people talked about was, you know, when you go to set the hook, the kayak's moving, the fish is moving. You know, it's, it's, it's just different being in a kayak because you have some give there. And so try to do some things to take away – a good hook set and that would be getting yeah, that, away from line that stretch stretching it yeah that stretch will definitely uh mess you up sometimes when whenever you're already in a light boat that's going to move and like you said the fish is moving so i, I feel you there I, I don't think i really use any mono anymore either maybe that six pound test on that finesse setup i think that might still be mono i'm not 100 percent but uh, yeah, I, I try to stay away from it now. I've gotten where I'm mostly braid and fluoro myself. Um, how, how long of a leader are you using? Because I, I haven't done the whole braid to leader thing yet. That's yeah. probably what I'm going to do. I, I usually, you know, restring all my reels in the springtime. So I've been trying to hold off till then. But I do plan on, you know, doing that when in the spring when i do redo them like do them all braid the leader and so i'm glad we're talking about this tonight because i hadn't thought about the whole you know changing up the leader on it but how long of a leader you usually use yeah so i would say generally i'm running a leader that's about the same length as my rod so somewhere in probably the seven foot range um, you know, I, I use an FG knot to attach my leaders to my braid. That was um, my next a, question. <laughs> it's, it's a really low profile, uh, knot and I've gone longer, you know, when I was at table rock, I was using a lot longer leaders than that because the water's so clear and I was okay with that. Um, cause I feel like with that knot, it, it'll come up into the, the spool on the, on the reel just fine uh, i haven't had any problems because of that um it flows through the guides it flows through uh you know everything there within the reel without any any problems it doesn't get hung up um you know there's a great um video out there on on how to tie uh, at least a version of the fg knot um it's i think it's by the oh, what are they called salt uh man it's it's a salt somebody group i'd have to pull it up but um but if you if you do fg knot and then salt and it, it'll pull up that video on youtube and it's a uh, a really good one on how to how to tie that knot and then um you know like any of them right i mean just take a little bit of time learn how to do that you know the braid kind of wraps over the top of the fluorocarbon so it's protecting the fluorocarbon from being damaged and then the, 
you know, make sure you get it cinched down before you do your final knots there and, and uh, use your braid to cover up the fluorocarbon knot. But it's been good to me. I mean, I'm, I've used it um, well, two and a half years now, I guess. And um, you know, it, I can't say that it's ever been a problem for me. And, uh, but again, it's, it's just going comfortable with it. You know, there's going to be other people that have a different knot that they like. Um, and, and they work. So it's, you know, again, finding that knot that, that you like to use there. That's my, uh, one question I got with that is I, I remember when I interviewed Cody Jennings from jig masters, uh, we were talking about jig fishing. Uh, and we were going over kind of the same concept with jigs with, you know, what kind of line he used. He was saying some people use braid to a, a uh, fluoro leader. He said he runs straight fluoro because that extra knot is just one more thing to fail, which I, I, I could see that. So I, I was just curious with, with the braid to fluoro leader, have you ever, has that ever cost you a fish or anything? Has that not ever broke on you? Um, so I'd say early on, as I was learning to, to tie it, it did. Um, and it will, you know, I pay attention to all my stuff as well. Right. So if you have a knot like that, that's going through the guides and those kind of things, it will wear over time. But I would say the same thing happens with fluorocarbon. You know, you have it down there and it's, uh, you know, wearing on the cover that it's rubbing against or the the rocks and those kind of things right it's going to get beat up and those kind of things so you still have to pay attention to that as well no matter what you have um but i do you know look at that knot um you know i'll i'll retie as probably most tournament anglers do you know the night before the tournament i'll retie all my leaders i'll retie all my lures on just because i want to have everything fresh and now, if you're in like a two-day tournament, do you, like, say it's a Saturday-Sunday tournament, mm -hmm. do you, uh, you know, tie a new leader on before Saturday and then Saturday night tie another new leader on, or will you use that same leader twice, like two times out in a row? So if I'm in a tournament, I'm going to redo it because it's, you'll want you know, a chance floor, to. Yeah, fluorocarbon's pretty cheap compared to a big lost <laughs> fish. Right. So... I mean, if you look at, say, like the, you know, the boat pros that are out there, right? I mean, they'll be restringing entire spools of line. So, so, yeah. I mean, when, I guess when you got several, like several hundred dollars on the line and, you know, even like with big names, they got like thousands of dollars on the line. Yeah, I, I guess it's worth spending that little bit extra money to go ahead and, a little bit extra time to go ahead and just redo that right right but that's a different thing i mean if i'm going out there just you know fun fishing or something like that i'm not doing that but there's another piece i think to the the braid to the leader thing i think in the long run it saves me money because i can change you know i can change the lure that i have on there and cut off a little bit of that that leader and retie it 
right? So I'm kind of eating that up, but I may be able to retie, I don't know, you know, at least a handful of times on that same leader material. And then when I'm done, I just cut off a, you know, what I take an inch off maybe of the, of the braid, which costs a lot more than what my fluorocarbon does. And so I get a lot of life out of that braid as well. Um, yeah, I had a few seasons, a couple seasons at least out of that. I've, I've actually, I interviewed a buddy of mine, Brian Andrews, a uh, few weeks ago, I think it was, and he he was talking about that. I don't think he talked about it on the episode, but you know, I that was a in person interview. We were sitting in his garage, and he was telling me how he had started doing that. He was doing the braid to a floral leader, and he was talking about how it's saving him money um, for that same reason. So, right, that, right. And I'm all about people. saving money, you know. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, there's some people, and um, you know, when I talked to Ott a couple of years ago too, we got talking about that as well. As you know, why do they? A lot of those guys, right? They just go straight fluorocarbon, and and they don't go that route. Um, now, one of the things that he said was, well, if they're fishing around wood, then they're going to go with the fluorocarbon because the braid will dig in a lot more to that wood. Yeah, now, I've, I've heard braid makes like an unnatural sound when it goes across wood. Well, more than just that, I'm saying it actually cut into the wood and uh, um, they didn't want to, you know, potentially risk getting hung up like that. Um, I can see that. Um, I, I can't recall a time that that's happened to me, but um, maybe at some point it will, and I'll kick myself for not taking that advice, but um, but that's a lot of the reason why they do it. And, and the other part is, you know, they, I mean, the, it wasn't something that people were doing when they were growing up learning to fish, right? I mean, it was straight fluorocarbon. So, um, again, I think it comes down to that comfort of, you know, what do you do and how do you like to do it? And that builds confidence. And if you're going out fishing and you don't have confidence, you're probably not going to do very good. That's probably why I've not done very good for the past five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, but you have stuff that you're comfortable with, right? And, yeah, yeah. And... Um, from my very first year, my very first fish I ever caught, or very first bass I ever caught was on a jig, a uh, football head jig. So. I, I developed a uh, comfort for jigs pretty early on. This year, I've gotten a big comfort from whopper ploppers. I've caught a lot of fish on whopper plopper this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, so those are my two main things that I'm fishing when I'm out there is, you know, whopper plopper and then a jig. Right. And uh, I, I feel like I've done pretty good this year. I have caught fish on some other setups. Uh, some other things that I've tried. I actually, you know, some of us at uh, Paddle and Finn, we just met up not like was a couple of weeks ago, something like that, at Dale Hollow Lake on uh, oh, yeah. the Kentucky side. And, uh, you know, it was me, Jay Randall, Brad Hicks, uh, Josh Eldridge, and, uh, and Justin Marshall was there. And I actually, you know, it's going to sound kind of, 
kind of bad. Uh, I think most of the listeners done heard this in an episode I did, but uh, I caught my first Texas rig fish ever. I've never caught a fish on a Texas rig, but um, you know they were wearing them out in the grass there with mm-hmm. a Texas rig worm, and they were pegging it with bobber stop. And I tried it, and I got my first Texas rig fish. So, you know, I can mark that one off. Yeah, yeah. And that's how it goes, right? Because now you have established a time that that is a successful technique. And if you're faced with that situation again, you're going to remember that. And and hopefully you'll remember that. And hopefully you'll do it and have the good success again. Oh, definitely. You know, like like I said, I... To my knowledge, I don't have a whole lot of grass around me. I know the areas I fish, I don't see a whole lot of grass. But in in the case where I ever do go fish a heavy grass area again, because I I really struggled uh, up there with all that because that was a lot different than what I'm used to, all the conditions. But uh, next time I'm fishing grass, I'm definitely going to have a Texas rig worm on there with a bobber stop. (laughs) Right, right. Well, I mean, a Texas rig worm, you can use that in a lot of the places that you're fishing your jig. Yeah. Right? They're very yeah. kind of interchangeable. Um, and if you have confidence with one, you should probably have confidence with the other because it's a very similar technique. Well, I, I think my biggest issue with that is I've never really given the Texas rig the the time to put into it. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, I've never really give it too much of a chance, you know, throw it a little bit and then I'll go back to a jig or whatever else sure. I'm feeling comfortable with at that time. Right. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to have to give it some more, give it a, another chance and try to stick with it for a little bit, maybe go out for a day, but. Probably going to try this fluke out before I do that. Right, right. Well, that's going to be a good time to do a fluke because they're going to start honing in on the, on the bait fish, and that's what a fluke's going to be there for. So, but yeah, I got to fish Dale Hollow for the first time this year as well. And, How'd you do down there? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was unbelievable is, how, is what it was. We, uh, uh, one of my sponsors, he, uh, one of the guys that works for them, he he said, "Hey, you know, let's go down to Del Hollow. He lives pretty close by, fishes it quite a bit." And um, we went out on his boat, and uh, you know, I'd only fished on a on a boat, I think, three times before that, and uh, I hadn't caught a twenty inch smallmouth before. And we were talking about that, and I said, "You know, I really want to catch a twenty inch smallmouth." And he says, "Oh yeah, we'll do that, no problem." And I'm thinking, "Man, how's how's it going to be that easy, right?" So we got out there and we were we were night fishing, and uh, and within 20 minutes I had my first 20 inch smallmouth, <laughs> and, I, and I thought, wow, this is uh, this is great, right? Yeah, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. So um, throughout that night, I ended up with that 20, and then a 21, and then a 21 and three quarters, and then another 21. <laughs> And it was it was unbelievable, and it was that was that was such a great night of fishing. It they they say well, I believe I heard that 
like the world record smallmouth came out of Dale Hollow. Or yeah, something it, it like has. that. Yeah, and uh, and you know, you you hear about how amazing it is, and and uh, yeah, I've never fished Indiana, but I've heard it's kind of rough there. I know the guys from Ohio part, that are part of the paddle and fin. You know, they uh, talk about how it's rough there, and then you know Sam Jones, who's mm-hmm. part of paddle and fin, he he's from Indiana, and you know him and Brad Hicks, they they'll kind of they'll kind of go back and forth about who who's got worst fishing conditions Indiana or Ohio. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, it's it's not easy. I mean, but you know, I, I think having you know learned to fish there, I think. It helps, right? I think because we're just fishing in tough conditions, and you know, there's a lot of times we're going to a tournament that's going to be tough, and I'm, you know, I, I like when it's tough because I'm just used to fishing tough. Um, well, it's definitely a benefit, you know. E- even in other sports, um, they say like, you know, basketball or something like that. If uh, you know, if you're playing against people that are a lot worse than you you're not really going to progress any but right. if you're if you're playing against people that are better and you and getting your butt kicked then that's going to cause you to grow because if you don't grow you ain't going to hang with them so I, right. I can see that the same concept if you got hard fishing conditions then that's going to cause you to you know have to step up your game and become a better fisherman and then whenever you do get in get in areas that are like great fisheries you you're just you're gonna wear them out yeah i think there's a little bit of adjustment that goes with that as well though because you know in indiana i mean there are some good fish but uh you know we don't have a lot of you know we're not out catching eight nine ten pounders right i mean you know you get down to florida and they've got uh you know fish that you know are just big and i think that you know there's a little bit of an adjustment for us in that when we get into those big fish waters you know maybe maybe we adjust a little bit for that um but when it's tough no matter where it's tough i think we have something that we can fall back on to and you know we can pull on those experiences and, and catch the fish um I think it's a, a kind of another thing too that I think a lot of times people think about too is um, going back to the fluke fishing is right. I've caught big fish on a fluke. Um, you know, I've caught six, seven pounders on a fluke. Um, so, you know, just because you're not out there throwing a great big jig or you're not throwing a great big buzz bait or big swim bait or something like that doesn't mean you're not going to catch big fish right sometimes you know they you kind of blend an end to what's maybe more the natural forage that they're on and you know you catch big fish with some smaller stuff now you know it's not always that way right and there's certainly a, a, a time to step that up um i I've tried. I haven't had any good success with the great big fluke, um, but I've thrown it. Um, it just hasn't hasn't produced for me. But but that'd be an option too, right? You could step up into that 
that, that bigger fluke as well and try to get just those bigger bites. So, you know, that might be something that I try whenever I do try it. You know, I'm definitely going to get the that medium size like you were talking about. But uh, down here, you know, I'm in Middle Tennessee area. We have some pretty good fisheries. There are some, I'd say, from what I've heard, we probably have more big fish than y'all have around the Indiana area. So, so I I'd probably try, I'm probably going to end up trying the bigger fluke just to see how it turns out for me. Right. But, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see where we go from there. Right. Right. Uh, one, one more thing about the fluke before we, uh, end that part is we, we, we talked about, you said you use a bait caster reel. What ratio do you use on that? Yeah, so I use a seven three, uh, a seven you know seven to one ratio, um, and I you know for the most part I use seven something for every uh, most everything. Um, I go with an eight to one on some of those techniques where it's you know pitching or flipping out and then i just need to get it out get the lure back into me so i can cast it back real fast and then i'll go down to uh a six i think it's a six four to one um say for like cranking just slow it down a little bit but most of my stuff i use in the seven to one ratio area cool yeah I'm hoping, you know, maybe in the spring, maybe income tax time or something, I can upgrade a bunch of my stuff because a lot of my reels are slower right now, and it caused me to lo- it caused me to lose a. Uh, it I didn't see it, but I know it was a big fish just because of the way it felt on uh, when I was pulling it in. But up there at Dale Hollow, me and Josh Eldridge were night fishing, and I hooked into one on a jig and man, it felt like a monster, but it, it mm-hmm. came swimming right at me and spit the hook. And I, I, I couldn't keep up with it when it was swimming at me. So I, I definitely got to upgrade my reels and uh, get some faster ones on there. Um, Sam Jones wanted me to talk to you about the Turkey bowl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so Sam and I, um, last year, um, started a a group. We call it Hoosier Kayak Bassin. Um, Our goal there was to help promote the the anglers of Indiana um, because there wasn't anything like that that was specifically, uh, you know, kind of getting the name of our anglers out there. And we got a lot of good anglers. You know, and Mike Elsie, national champion, came out of there this year, so. Um, you know, Glenn Landstrom was the, what, leading both the first day and the second day of national championships this year. And we've got a lot of the young, uh, you know, younger guys, either high school or, or college age guys that are really good anglers as well. So that's why we started that. Um, and so then last year we held our very first, um, turkey bowl. Um, it is, uh, three man teams 
and they are then submitting their best three fish for their overall team score. So this year, um, coming up, it'd be the two weekends before Thanksgiving. So year before, or sorry, the weekend before um, the hunting season gets kicked off, we're going to do our second annual Turkey Bowl. And we're you know having people get, get their teams pulled together for that right now. Um, it's just all for fun, right? It's just come out there and, you know, it was, it was a little bit cool last year, but we've, we've got some great, um, sponsors that have, um, kicked in some prizes that we're going to have out there for, for people. We're going to be doing a food drive to help, you know, get some food to, to give away to, um, you know, those that need it this time of year. And, um, we have Murphy's. Um, there in the area um, we're going to be doing this tournament at geist there in fishers uh, which is the northeast side of indianapolis uh, and murphy's uh, is a restaurant there in the area so they've actually offered up that they're going to be um, opening up an area for us to go in and do our check-in afterwards they're going to have some uh, pizza and appetizer and that kind of stuff for us so it's it's going to be a great time um, we had a good turnout last year and so far based on, uh, people's, what people have indicated is we're going to have an even better turnout this year and, uh, you know, be all the money that gets paid in, um, is going to go back out to the anglers. So yeah, everybody should come out, be, be a great time. Even, you know, that time of year, you can catch fish. We had, we had some good fish caught last year. Um, I'm trying to remember who the winning team was. I think it was, uh, Jackson and it was Jackson and Aiden Darlington. And, uh, I don't remember who their third person was, but, uh, you know, one of those younger groups, uh, beat us up again. Uh, now is, is that strictly only Indiana anglers allowed or you know people are willing to travel can people from out of state come in and join oh, yeah. in on yep. anybody that wants to come in I think last year we had people from Indiana, Illinois and Ohio and then um, I think we have it the same this year but I think we also have maybe Kentucky and possibly Tennessee I've heard. So, um, yeah. you know, I, 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 maybe I'll drive up there. You never know. You know, I, I, I do have family in Evansville, Indiana. So, you know, I might head on up that way. Right. Right. I'd yeah, just be donating money. <laughs> well, Hey, you never know how it's going to go. I mean, you know, you stumble across the right area and you, know, you might pull out three of the biggest fish of the tournament yourself. So, um, but that's part of it too, right? I mean, we know, you know, uh, things are going to change here, right? Water temperature is going to cool off by that time. Um, and, and kind of having to be that team concept, um, you know, allows people to come in and, and Hey man, I, I don't have to put together a five push limit, right? Um, it, it doesn't even, I mean, all the fish could come from one person on a team, you know, so it's not three fish for one person, you know, one fish from each person. 
Um, it's just three fish from that team, and however that works out, it works out. So, so just you know, totally, top three fish between the three people, right? Yep. Yep. All right. So real low pressure. Um, you know, a lot of fun. Like I said, we're going to have a, a lot of prizes given away, and um, you know, do that that food drive. Um, I think we'll be announcing here some a little more information on that one here pretty soon. But you know, there'll be uh, you know if you do a, a donation to that, then we'll be doing you know a giveaway for that as well. We'll draw in for that. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, give something a little bit back. Have fun with your fellow anglers. And and it was a great time last year. I mean, even you know, you know those that didn't catch any fish, uh, you know, still had a great time being out there. Now, what's the buy-in for that tournament? Uh oh man, you caught me off guard on this one here. <laughs> My bad, I, I, I didn't mean to catch you off guard. No, let me let me pull it up here real quick just to make sure I got what it is. Um, I don't want to say it wrong. I know Sam said something about it earlier. Yeah. $75 entry per team. So right. $25 a person? Yep, 25 a person. So 75 hey. for the team. Now, is there a big fish on that, or is it just, you know, top team? Um, we're only doing the top team on that. Okay. That's, that's, that sounds like fun. Now, it... Do you have to have your own team already to join? Or, you know, if somebody wanted to join that don't have a team, are they able to, you know, be matched up with other people? Or how does that work? Yep. So if you were to go to Hoosier Kayak Bass and Facebook page, um, you can – there's a couple different posts that have been put out there. There's one where people are naming off that they have a team and who's on the team. And then there's another post for people that can go out and say, Hey, I'd like to participate in this, but I don't have a team right now. And and we try to get people connected that way. Awesome. That, that sounds really cool. Now for, for people, so people that want to sign up, they can just go to that website. Uh, if, you, if you just go to the Facebook page. Um, so we haven't, we haven't officially opened up registration yet. Um, been working through it just a little bit on how we're doing the um, doing the judge and the fish. We were we were planning to use uh, uh, Tourney X or a similar type uh, tourney management software, but it doesn't seem they have the capability to do the uh, best three for a team kind of way here, right? It's all yeah. individually set up there. So um, so last year, you know, we we worked it out. I mean, we uh, and we judged the fish. Um, people, we had people send them in to us. So I think that we're probably going to be going back to that same kind of concept there. And then Sam and I will be taking care of that stuff while everybody's enjoying their, their drinks and, and appetizers and pizza there at Murphy's. Cool. It sounds like a fun time, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, be a great time. It's going to be, um, like I said, that two weekends before Thanksgiving and then um, tournament headquarters is going to be uh, Murphy's craft house there in Fishers. And then like I said, we're going to be doing the, uh, the food drive for a sponsor prize pack. 
So to give you an idea, some of the sponsors that we have on board with this is uh, Paddle and Fin. It's part of it. I think we're going to be doing some, uh, maybe some live broadcasts there. I think there's there is a, I think there's a Paddle and Fin team going to show up. Then uh, TRC Covers, uh, Moving Water Outfitters, Angler, Biz Baits, Wicked Weights. And then uh, Murphy's Craft House is gonna is gonna host us there. So um, I think that's most of who we have right now that have donated prizes that will be going out to uh, winners and uh, you know maybe some random stuff going out to people as well. Sweet man. Well, so everybody, you heard it. You know, if you're if you're in the Indiana area or or feel like traveling to the Indiana area, get signed up for this tournament. Sounds like really cool concept. Sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I think we're going to start wrapping it up here. Uh, I know you've been on Paddle and Finn before and, and uh, gave all your information and stuff out, but, you know, just for people that might have not heard that last episode, you know, you want to shout out like, uh, where people can find you and follow you and, uh, and sponsors and all that good stuff. Sure. So, uh, people can find me on Facebook at Alan Reed. That's a L I N and Reed with two E's. Then on Instagram, it's under the radar fishing. Uh, same thing for YouTube. So that was a, you know, hopefully get some more content going here on that. But man, that whole YouTube thing, it takes a lot of time to do that video editing and stuff like that. When you've been doing as much tournament fishing and travel, it didn't, uh, didn't really go that way, but, uh, we'll see what else I can put out here this year. Um, when we get into the sponsor side of things, I've got, um, TRC covers. So, uh, you know, been, been really good to me and, uh, you know, have done a lot obviously we said they're a sponsor of the turkey bowl as well and um, we have trocar um, eagle claw have tackle hd so they make a, a really good soft plastic crawl and uh Helgramite. um they got some new products they're coming out with here now we've got pro tungsten weights King Angler Rods, so that's uh, Kyle King there in Lawrenceburg, Indiana, makes custom rods, and uh, he'll work with you to make a rod however you want it, whatever level components that you want to have on there from, uh, you know, very high-end um, specialty-type rods all the way down to, um, you know, I can't I can't say it's, you know, totally entry, you know, it's certainly not Walmart-level rods, but, but a good quality rod. Um, at a reasonable price, and, and he'll work with you on on getting that done, um, you know, to to your satisfaction. Then um, one of the uh, oh angler uh, with them as well, so that's the you know the bullseye and uh, software there that can help help you understand your fishing a little bit better. And then the two most recent ones are um, on the uh, Bonafide regional team now and I'll be moving into uh, well they just just got me a, a boat here I was been waiting on my limited edition to to come but I'll be moving into a, a Black Widow 
um, SS-127, as soon as those are available. Oh, those things look sick. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that. You know, I've, I've, I've liked those black kayaks, and when I saw that one, I was like, yeah, I, I really want that. Um, and then um, Yak Attack as well, so... Yeah, I guess those kind of come hand in hand, huh? Uh, they do, <laughs> you know, on the bonafide side. I mean, they, they do, but, you know, you, you get your kayak, you got to get it rigged up. And, um, you know, I was already using the products anyway. And, and that's one thing I kind of said before, you know, every one of these, pro, you know, companies that I'm with have a product that I believe in, and that's why I'm associated with them. And I'm not just, uh, you know, just with people just to, to have a name on a jersey or anything like that it's it's truly a product that i believe in and and that's why you know i'm out there promoting their stuff and you know and they really try to have partnerships with my companies not just um you know just me putting a, putting something out there just to make myself feel good it's it's because i believe in what they're doing the people that are behind it and uh and really want the best for what they're doing I feel you there, man. Uh, you know, I'm not really on the tournament scene or anything yet, but, you know, I do this podcast and stuff. And, but I, I don't personally, like, have any personal sponsors yet, but I, I want to be the same way. I, I don't want to just say, hey, I'm pro staff for this team just to say that I'm pro staff for somebody. You know, I, I want companies that I'm actually going to use, companies that I actually think make a – good quality product and something that stands out from from other people so i i, I completely feel you on that one uh but yeah i'm gonna, gonna go over some of the show sponsors here we got rocktown paddle sports loveland canoe and kayak you got fish mob lures we got trc covers as well on the podcast uh we got hammered lures we got Jig Masters. Don't forget to use promo code uh, PNF20. Get 20% off at jigmasters.com. Uh, don't forget about Hammered Lures Use Plastic Recycling Program. Okay, y'all heard us say this a thousand times or more. Um, save all your beat-up, used, tore-up, soft plastics, except for the Z-Mans. You know, do away with those. But everything else... Save those, put them in a bag or a box or whatever you want to put them in. Save them up, then send them to the address in the show notes. Eric Richards, he's going to melt them down, make new soft plastics out of them. He's going to donate those to Heroes on the Water, so they're going to a good cause. Uh, don't forget to check out the website, paddleandfin.com. We got blogs. We got where it shows all the gear that all of us at Paddle and Fin use. We got merchandise on there. So check that out. If you want to email the show, paddleandfin at gmail.com. If you want to email me about this segment specifically, it's bassfishingfornoobs at gmail.com. Um, don't forget to rate and review on, on your podcast app, whether you use apple Podcasts or spotify or whatever you use you know give us a rate and review that helps us you know uh get out in front of a bigger audience get more listens and so that helps us out uh other than that guys tight lines and smooth paddling 
What's up, boys and girls? Just wanted to take a quick minute to talk to you about the Paddle and Fin gear. If you haven't seen it yet, go to Paddle, the letter N, and Fin.com. Go click that store tab at the top. Check out the store. We got tons of t-shirt designs, long sleeves, hoodies, phone cases, you name it, it's on there. Give it a gander. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.